One of the first memorial services I ever did was for an 18-year-old high school senior. It was a beautiful day on the Oregon coast, and he and his girlfriend went out to the coast. They were standing on a log on the beach. When a wave came in and lifted the log, it struck and killed him instantly. For the family and friends and hundreds of high school students that gathered, they were all in shock that he was gone. March 2nd of this year, a Ford Expedition uh, driving 15 miles from the southern border uh, was packed with 25 immigrants. Uh, cartels that bring people from Central America and Mexico to our southern border often take vans and pull out all the seats so they can cram in more people. The van was struck by a truck. 13 were killed and 12 were injured. They all had hopes, but for half of them, their hopes were snatched by death. We never know how long we're going to live. We hope we're going to live to a full age of 85, 90, 95, but we can't be sure. The average age of those who were killed in the terrorist attack 20 years ago in New York was 40. A couple of years ago, over a course of three weeks, I conducted three memorial services. One was for a guy that was 39, another 64, and another 64. Looks like a combination to a lock. It's not. None of them had a chance to prepare. Their families that gathered, their friends that gathered, were all shocked. They hadn't had a chance to say goodbye. And they were all interested in talking about what happens after we die. So whether you're a teenager, young single, young married, parent, or empty nester, you wonder what happens after you die. So what happens to us after we die? Does life just end? Are we put in a, the ground somewhere or are ashes sprinkled someplace? Thankfully, Jesus lifts the fog and shines the light on what happens to us after we die. So today, I want to look at you at what Jesus teaches about life after death in Luke 16, 19 to 31. Jesus tells a dramatic story about a rich man and a poor man. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple. That tells you that he was wealthy. Uh, these garments could only be purchased from the east and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus. Now this is the only parable Jesus tells where he actually names the character. His name means God helps. He was covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. We find Lazarus laying by the gate of this wealthy man's estate. He's covered with hideous sores on his skin. Uh, he longs to eat from the scraps that fall from the rich man's table. In the first century, uh, they didn't use napkins, and so uh, they would wipe their hands on pocket bread and just throw it under the table for the dogs. The, Lazarus longed to get one of those bits, but the dogs beat him to it and would lick his pus-oozed sores. Wow, 
Jesus is quite a storyteller. Can't you agree? How could the wealthy man not notice Lazarus? He came in every day in his magnificent carriage through his gate. How could he miss him? Maybe soon he began to not even notice him. His affluence dulled his senses. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. There was a huge memorial service for the rich man. Lots of people came to pay their respects. Lazarus died alone. Few noticed. In Hades, uh, this is the Greek word uh, the New Testament writers often use for hell. In Hades, where he was in torment, the rich man, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. They face a sudden reversal of fortune. Lazarus is taken to Abraham's bosom, the place where the righteous go and the rich man goes to hell, the place where the wicked go. In early Jewish thought, Hades was considered the place kind of the waiting place where everybody would go. Uh, but as the New Testament was written, the Holy Spirit taught the writers that upon death, believers go directly to heaven to be with God, and those who do not believe go to hell. Father Abraham, the rich man cried, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue because I am in agony. In this fire. Uh, Jesus describes hell vividly. Uh, Dante's description of hell and his inferno cannot match what Jesus does. The rich man's modest request tells us how terrible his torture was. He asked for just a drop of water from Lazarus' finger dropped on his tongue. We like to think that hell will be a relief compared to what we go through on this life. But Jesus says, it won't be so. Maybe you're not a follower of Christ and think, hell won't be so bad, I'll be there with all my buddies. Jesus says, Abraham was alone. But Abraham replied, son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things, while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, a great chasm has been fixed, so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. There's a gulf between heaven and hell, and when we die, we can't cross from one to the other. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not also come to this place of torment. Uh, he cries out, if you can't help me, at least help my brothers. Warn them about what happens after death. We feel for this man that we detested just a few minutes ago. Yes, God, send somebody to warn them. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Moses refers to the first five books of the Old Testament, and the prophets refer to everything else, the prophets, the Psalms. Let them listen to them. 
with the coming of Jesus, Abraham would say, let them read the whole Bible, Old and New Testament. Abraham's answer catches us by surprise. We feel certain that he'll send a messenger to warn these brothers. Instead, he replies, they have the scriptures. They are sufficient. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. Rich man, please, I know they won't listen to the Bible. They went to schools where they were taught that the Bible isn't true. But if you send someone from the dead, then they'll notice. Abraham knows better. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. And how right they were. Even after Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, the brother of Mary and Martha, Many came to believe at that point, but still many of the religious leaders refused to believe. And then even when Jesus was raised from the dead, many religious leaders refused to believe. He, he says that if they don't listen to God's word, they won't listen to someone even if they rise from the dead and come and see them. We're surprised. So this is the main point of the parable. What does Jesus mean? This is one of Jesus' double-edged parables. That is, there are two stories in this parable. The first is about a rich man and a poor man, and the rich man not noticing the poor man, and they die. The second is the rich man asking Abraham to send somebody to warn his brothers so they don't come to the same place and being turned down. The denial of the request is the surprise of the parable, and surprise always yields the main point of the parable. In a double-edged parable, the emphasis is always on the second episode in the parable. The primary emphasis here is not on showing compassion to the poor, although that's a point that's made, but on the denial of the rich man's request for someone to come and warn his brothers about what happens after they die. Lazarus is not the main character of the parable. This is a parable about six spiritually apathetic brothers who refuse to believe in God. They're unconcerned about people that are less fortunate and they're not worried about what happens after they die. What a parable for our time. Many of us are oblivious to God and to what happens after we die because we assume that death is the end of it all. Death can teach us much about life. I find four things that Jesus teaches us here about life. The first thing that death teaches us is that there is life after death. Some people think that when we die, that's it. That's what we're taught in our high schools and colleges. There's no God. All that we see just evolved over time. So when you die, that's the end. Perhaps the reason we joke about hell is because we think that when we die, that's it. But Jesus tells us the rich man and Lazarus were both alive in heaven and hell after they died. They had full consciousness. The question is not will we live forever, but where will we live forever? Some people say, I don't want anything to do with a God who would make hell. Some people ask, what 
kind of God would create hell? It's not an uncommon question, but it betrays a caricature of God, not the reality. The God of the Bible does not send anyone to hell. Over hell's gate is a man on a cross, Jesus, the Son of God, whom God sent to prevent people from going there. To get into hell, one must ignore the man, must squeeze past him. God has done everything in his power to keep us out of hell. But it would have been immoral of God not to create a place for people who don't want anything to do with him. Eternity in heaven is for those who desire it. Hell is for those who choose otherwise. They go there by their choice, their own. Hell is a place prepared by God for people who say, God, Jesus, I don't want anything to do with you. I don't want you interfering with my life. I want to run my own life. God does not force people to spend eternity with him against their will. This explains why he created heaven and hell. God didn't make a terrible place. Hell is terrible because it is a place where God isn't. We experience a lot of good times in this life, but we also face a lot of tough things. Knowing that there is life after death gives us hope that someday God will right all wrongs. Country Western singers Brooks and Dunn uh, sing about a, a guy who, uh, a, a boy, who made a friendship with a man, and this man was in the Navy, and he lost his uh, wife and his young son, and the boy asked him, how do you make it? How do you keep from going crazy after going through all that? Watch this. man Wrigley lived in that white house down the street where I grew up mama used to send me over with things we struck a friendship up spent a few long summers out on his old porch swing in the war, went in the Navy, lost his wife, lost his baby, broke down and asked him one time, how you keep from going crazy? He said, I see my wife and son in just a little while. I asked him what he meant. He looked at me and smiled said I raise my hands bow my head I'm finding more and more truth in the words written in red they tell me that there's more to life than just what I can see off at college talking to mom on the phone one night getting all caught up on the gossip the ins and outs of the small town life 
said, oh, by the way, son, when old man Wrigley's died, later on that night, I laid there thinking back, thought about a couple long lost summers, I didn't know whether to cry or ever anybody deserved a ticket to the other side it'd be that sweet old man who looked me in the eye said I raised my hands bow my head finding more and more truth in the words written Tell me that there's more to life than just what I can see. I can't quote the book, the chapter or the verse. You can't tell me it all ends in a slow ride in a hearse. You know I'm more and more convinced the longer yeah, this can't be, no, this can't be, no, this can't be all there is. Lord, I raise my hands, bow my head. Oh, I'm finding more and more truth in the words written in red. They tell me that there's more to this than just what So Wrigley found hope in knowing that he would see his wife and child again because he believed in Jesus and life after death. We can make it through tough times if we know there's more than this world. There's another life. The second thing that death teaches us about life is that what we believe about Jesus determines our eternal destiny. The writers of the New Testament will not budge on this point. John writes, Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Belief in Jesus is what qualifies us for life with God in heaven. Our opportunity to believe in him is right now. Jesus teaches no doctrine of purgatory. Or a second chance. Rich man did not get a second chance. Our years on earth provide sufficient opportunity to decide whether or not we want to spend eternity with Christ or not. You say, well, what about people who never hear about Jesus? With our cell phones, 
which people all around the world, practically everyone has access to. And TVs and Bibles, which have been translated into practically every dialect in the world. It's pretty hard to die without hearing about Jesus. But suppose if someone dies without hearing about Jesus, I believe the New Testament teaches that when they die and they stand before Christ, they'll say, ah, now I get it. I knew there had to be a creator. I knew it didn't make sense, all this talk about everything just evolving. I knew there had to be a way to receive forgiveness in my religion and others where you have to do certain things to earn God's favor. I knew that wouldn't work. Now I know what you look like. I believe in you. At death, they will get a first chance. Jesus not only tells us that life presents us with an opportunity to believe in Jesus, but it also presents us with an opportunity to share Jesus. Jesus is saying, saying there's a time that will come when it is too late to share with your family or friends about what happens after we die. I went to seminary in Chicago, and I led a Young Life Club there, and uh, the end of the first year in April, a student came one night who was a junior in high school and he had cancer. In May, he called me and left a voicemail. And I, uh, uh, you know, wanted me to, to talk, I wanted to talk, wanted me to get back to him. And I was so busy taking finals and getting ready for the summer here. As I've told you before, I led the youth program. Uh, Valley Community Presbyterian Church, just a couple miles from here, and uh, middle school, high school, and college, and it was so busy, I never got back to him. So when I got back in September, one of the first things I wanted to do was go see him. But he had died. I have felt guilty about that ever since. Why didn't I get back to him and talk to him? Did he find somebody else to talk to? Did he talk to somebody about what happens after we die and belief in Jesus? Is there someone in your life where you may be the only church-going believer they know? Maybe you've been holding back from talking to them because you don't want to be offensive or rude. Remember, you don't know how long they're going to live, so you don't have forever. That's why I say three weeks from today, Easter is a great opportunity for all of us to think about the people in our lives who may not know Jesus that we can invite to share Easter with them or join our live stream. There's a third thing death teaches us about life. God's word is the most important evidence we can examine to prepare us for life after death. The rich man asked Abraham to send someone to warn his brothers of their impending doom. Abraham said, they don't need a special messenger. They have the Bible. The rich man said, no, that's not enough. But if you send someone from the dead, then they'll take notice. We think, you know, we kind of agree with the rich man on that point. Yes, yeah, certainly. If someone, a special messenger comes, then they'll believe. Abraham replied, if they don't believe the Bible, then they won't believe if God himself were to rise from the dead. And how true it, true it was. Even after Jesus 
raised Lazarus, the brother of Mary and Martha, from the grave. The religious establishment, many of them still did not believe in Jesus. Some did. And even after Jesus himself was raised from the dead, still many refused to believe. Jesus says, if a person will not listen to God's word, they'll not be convinced even by a miracle. Have you ever thought, as you read the Bible, boy, this is difficult. I wonder if it's true. If God would only send me a special, a special message, then I could believe. Be careful. Such thinking, such thinking demonstrates that you have too low a view of the Bible. You're underestimating its power and authority. Jesus says God's word provides you with all that you need to come into a relationship with God and grow in your faith. Have you ever read the Bible? I mean, seriously, have you ever read it as an adult? Do you take time to read it daily? There's a fourth thing that uh, death teaches us about life. Our attitudes and actions toward people in this life have a major influence on our lot in the next life. This is not the main point in the parable, but it is a point in the parable. The rich man was judged for his callous indifference to the poor man. Jesus doesn't suggest that he does anything cruel to Lazarus. His sin was that he never noticed him. His indifference. He thought it was perfectly natural for, La for Lazarus to, to lay there in poverty and him to be affluent. He wasn't indicted for being rich. He was punished for his apathy. The Bible makes clear that our love and obedience for God is demonstrated on how our attitudes and actions toward people. John writes, Whoever claims to love God, yet hates a brother or sister, is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen, cannot love God whom they have not seen. So, we all have four things in common. One, we're all going to live forever. The question is where? Two, we all have been confronted with Christ's claim to be the Son of God and only way to God. If you knew nothing more about Christ than what you heard me say in the last 20 minutes, you would have enough information to know you need to put your hope in Christ to spend eternity with God. Three, we all have the Bible. There are Bibles in practically every hotel room in the world. There are Bibles in practically every home in the United States. The Bible has been translated into practically every language of every people group in the world. Our destiny is determined by how we respond to it. And four, we all have a limited amount of time in which to choose our destiny. Don't believe that you have forever to make a decision about Jesus. The rich man of the parable ran out of time. Sometime around October 15th, Jory went to Kidspire Preschool to teach for a couple days. A couple of the kids had gunky colds, and she caught it. And so she couldn't breathe. She was coughing. Her lungs were filling up. And uh, 
We took her blood pressure one night and it spiked to 199 over 99. I said, we got to go to the hospital. They took her in. The first thing they tested her for was COVID. She didn't have it. So they wanted to figure out why had her blood pressure spiked. They found out it was because it was a precipitous drop in her sodium levels. And why did that happen? So they took, you know, tests of her head, her heart, her lungs, everything. They finally got her blood pressure regulated and her sodium levels, and they, they sent her home. They said, make sure you see your doctor as soon as possible. She went in to see her doctor, and he said, Dory, it's a good thing you went in when you did, or you probably wouldn't have made it. When Jory told me that, we just sat there and went, wow. We could have lost Jory. And it reminded me, we don't know how long we're going to live. Today is the day to decide if you believe in Jesus or are going to follow him. You can commit your life to him right now as we pray. Today is the day to reach out and share Christ with people in your life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for sending Jesus into the world so we can know what you're like. And thank you for the stories Jesus told that could help us think about life and what happens after we die. I want you to pray right now, and if you've never committed your life to Jesus, you can do so right now. Just tell him, I believe from what I've heard that you're the Son of God you died for my sins, would you come in and forgive me of my sins? If you've already done that, you're a follower of Christ, reaffirm your belief in Jesus and that there is life after death. And tell him you want to be looking and maybe more bold in talking about him and inviting other people to hear about him. You pray, right? Lord Jesus, we thank you that you died for our sins to give us forgiveness and bring us into a relationship with you. And we thank you that there is life after death. This is not the end. And there someday will come when you will right all wrongs. So we put our faith in you. In Jesus' name we pray.